to the Character Cast. I'm your host, Justin Mears, and this is episode one. On this episode, I'm going to bring in my friend, Mike Good, who is a junior permanent military professor at the United States Naval Academy, and we're going to talk about what do we actually mean by character, what is character, how do we identify the good traits, the good virtues, the things that we want to embody in our own lives, why does any of this even matter to begin with, and if we decide that it is important, that it does matter, uh, how do we begin to start building Uh, in a very broad, general sense, these traits that we really want to embody. I look forward to this episode, so let's get started. All right, thanks for joining us on the Character Cast, episode one. It's our second episode, but the first one, episode zero, as I called it, was the introduction episode. Uh, Just to recap that, uh, first, I appreciate all the listeners who have already tuned in, the great feedback I've gotten. Honestly, I'm humbled by it, a little little overwhelming to have people that I haven't heard from in a long time reaching out to me, giving me uh, comments and feedback on... You know, even the little bit that I shared in that 10, 15 minutes, uh, it wasn't, we didn't really get into much content. I was just telling you why, uh, who I was and why I wanted to start this podcast and how I felt like it wasn't an area that was necessarily being neglected. People in leadership understand the importance of character, um, but I think they just kind of group it all together under an umbrella of, you know, the idea of being a good person. All right, that's that's part of it, but let's spend a, the majority of time focusing on how do we build skills uh, that we can use uh, to be effective leaders and we kind of just throw the good person thing to the side and say, yeah, that's an important piece for people to, to trust you, but we're, we don't really dive into to that as much as, as I think we should. So that's why we're doing this. Um, so thank you for everybody that, ha- that tuned into that first episode. Here we are back, episode two, really the first episode. Uh, and I'm super excited today uh, to be joined by my good friend, uh, Mike Good. He is a junior permanent military professor at the United States Naval Academy in the Leadership Education and Development Division, primarily teaching uh, our ethics course that we teach to our sophomores. Uh, so he dives in headfirst into all of this uh, as it relates to you know moral reasoning, ethics, decision making, uh, and the character piece. That's his, that's his forte. He's currently in the PhD program at the University of Maryland, pursuing a PhD in philosophy. And he is a man that is much, much smarter than I, uh, and knows this stuff through and through, not just from an academic perspective, but, uh, as a friend, I've seen, you know, I've seen him, uh, interact in a bunch of different settings and seen how he is as a leader professionally at work, but also how he is as a husband, as a father. And he works really hard to put everything that he understands about character and character development into practice. So, Mike, thank you for joining me today. Sure, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And I just want to caveat that uh, we'll be talking about some things today, um, and the things that I say may or may not reflect the opinion of, of the federal government in any way. So, get that out there. These are my opinions. Yeah, good point. That's why I didn't introduce you as Lieutenant Commander, Mike Good, but you do. I mean, we both obviously still work in the Navy at this point uh thanks for thanks for joining me i guess maybe you know just to to kick it off before we get into breaking down what do we mean by character do you have any thoughts on what i kind of just said in that intro piece about the either lack of focus or uh mis misplaced focus or misunderstanding of what we should be focusing on when we we talk about character development as it relates to to leadership development and the connection between those two yeah 
think a lot of times uh, people get the idea that we, we can be effective leaders without necessarily being good people, or that, yeah, hey, we're, we're supposed to be good people, now let's talk about how to be an effective leader. And um, one of the, I think, misunderstandings there is one, the, the real part of leadership is bringing people along, and it's, it's serving them. It's moving them toward a goal, and you know if you're not if you're not a good person, you're, you're not going to be able to serve people well. You're not going to have goals that are necessarily worthwhile, and you run the risk of, of treating people as mere instruments to accomplish things, and not as things to be valued and people to be valued in and of themselves. And so, I think character is essential to that to really being able to connect with others in, in, a, in a profound way that's more than just, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you for the things that, that I can get out of you. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a good point. And, and the idea of what is causing you to serve, I kind of brought that up in the first episode too, and as something, you know, we can dive into, but that's, that's I think, kind of what you're getting at is, you know, where, where your intentions are, you know, where your heart is, is dictating the actions that you take. And even you can even fake that to some degree to pretend that you're serving your people when really you're just serving your own interests and using people under the guise of, of serving them. And eventually that's going to come out. I feel like when you're put in situations that kind of force your hand to make that decision between selfish versus selfless nature, we're going to default to whatever we have inside of us, whatever our character is that's coming out through those actions, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, especially, especially when you get under any sort of like stress or strain like that, and you're going to default to to your old your old habits, your old butts, which, as we'll talk about, are are habits uh, and ways of doing things are essentially what character is. Great. Yeah. So maybe let's just dive right into that then, and establish a, a baseline understanding, at least as you see it. And you're a very wise man, so I'll probably just run with that for however long this podcast keeps going uh, of what we actually mean by character it's become a buzzword just like so many other buzzwords in the leadership development lexicon that that we just throw out there and sometimes we don't really attach a really good meaning and understanding to to what that is so yeah so i think one of the the interesting things to think about as a starting point is that everybody has a character they don't necessarily you know, have a good character or a bad character, uh, they might, but all of us have characters. And it's also sort of an interesting word in that we use it a lot in other ways that we don't necessarily connect with being a good person or with morality. Talk about characters in movies and books. We talk about the, you know, the alphabet and having characters in it and these sorts of things. And the word is the same, it's the same root. It has to do with having something etched into something else. So if you think about old printing presses, how they had to carve the letters. And so each letter had a particular character or imprint in it. And that's essentially what happens when authors write screenplays or uh, books, is they, they have a particular way that this character book, a person in the book does things. And it's really off-putting if you're watching a movie or reading a book and all of a sudden, like, the, the person you're reading about does something that we would call out of character. It just doesn't seem to match 
with what you've learned about them so far. We actually use that when we refer to people as well. We say, hey, look, yeah, that's sort of out of character for that person. And what we mean is that, hey, our usual way of interacting with this person did not give us good evidence or good reason to believe that they might act this other way. And so we see that as a break in their character. Again, that's not a good or a bad judgment necessarily. It's just, hey, that's not something we expected of them. And so this leads us, I think, to the first big piece of what character it is, that there's something about it that is consistency in action. We usually call consistent actions habits. It's just the way that we would usually do things. Habits always have to do with how we use our body. So the easiest way for me to think about what a habit is is to think about it in terms of physical movement. Most of us have played some kind of sport, or if we haven't done that, we've at least driven a car, ridden a bike. All of those things involve forming physical habits. Flying a helicopter, something like that. I said flying a helicopter, driving a ship, something like that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, at first, you have to think about every single thing that your body is doing. Even when you're riding a bike, uh, some of us who learned a little bit older can think about that, or at least driving, trying out a new sport, a drill, that you're trying to run, and you're, you're trying to get the form of the drill just right. It takes a lot of thought, a lot of effort to get it just right, but if you do it enough, all of a sudden... That information gets stored into your body so that you can do those things without thinking, which is how we drive, right? We do lots of things now. When we drive, we eat and drink and listen to the radio, hopefully pay attention to where we're going. But we don't really think about how we're moving the steering wheel or, you know, how we're stepping on the pedals. We just automatically do it. The information is stored in our body. And, you know, thankfully we we have this ability, otherwise we wouldn't be able to do much at all. It would take so much thought. So we have these habits that we store into our body. And the sort of sum total of our habits, especially as it relates to interacting with other people, with other living things, even with immaterial things, those habits add up and create a character. So the character really is just sort of a, it's all of your habits, all the things that you do that you don't think about. It's all of those things, how they interact with one another. And so that could be a really great thing. It could help us do things that we're not usually able to do, like drive a car without thinking about it all the time. You know, if you're in combat, it'll help you react to things without having to think about what you're doing. It'll help you do it in ways that are good and helpful and safe for you and your other companions. But it can also be a really bad thing. Some of us, like me, developed a habit of sarcasm as a youth, and that's something that I had to really tone down and work on controlling the things that I say to other people, Yeah. Uh, because it just come out, just come out of my mouth. And so character can be really helpful, can enable us to do things that we couldn't do otherwise, but it can also get us into a lot of trouble if, if we have not so good habits. Yeah, I think that's a, a great description for the listeners of both what character is. Like you said, an etching, you use the printing press example, or going back to like the Greek root of the word where they were engraving coins. You take in a piece of metal that was, well, it had form, but it, it didn't have any specific identifying features or markers, and you're carving into that, creating something that 
people then recognize what that is and what, what it represents, what its value is, what its worth is based on those identifying features. And that's, you know, I think similar to what we mean when we talk about some of these uh, ideas of character and, and I think great discussion on the, the connection to what we would consider muscle memory movements, physical habits that we're creating from a from a performance perspective or things that we have to do in life that everybody can relate to, whether you said driving a car or flying a helicopter or whatever it may be that you had to get to that point of, you know, trying to close that OODA loop, if you will, on, on the reaction time and deciding and acting. And you can shrink that by forming those habits and then connecting that to what that means for us or starting to connect what that means for us from a, a moral perspective and those habits that, a reflection of the things that we do consistently uh, as far as our actions that in their sum total represents our character. And I think it's a good place to then get into, okay, if our habits, the sum total of our habits represent our character, who we are, who we project ourselves as based on the things that we do, not not just the things that we say, although like you mentioned, words, whether it be habits of sarcasm or you know foul language or whatever, words are an important part of that, but, but through our actions, okay, well then how do we identify the things that are good, the things that we want to pursue habituating? How do we go about deciding what those things are? And then to the contrary to that, what are the things that we want to avoid? Yeah, sure. So I do think that as... As we move through this, it's important to, to understand that though I used physical habits as an example to understand how we can store information in our, in our bodies, it's not just physical movements that have habits. So emotions have habits. For instance, you've met very joyful people. You've met very anxious people. You've met very timid people. You've met, you've met people who are very loving people. Uh, you've got people who are bitter and hateful. And th- these two are stored stored habits. You learn to be, you form habits of anxiety, where a lot of times, uh, for instance, my grandmother was a worry word. She didn't have anything specific to worry about. She just was worried. And this comes from choosing to think about all of those concerns and anxieties and things that you can't control. And so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about more about how to, how to help form those things. But I do want to point out that this is really where the moral piece comes in. Right. Is, is having to form like our emotions and especially the, our emotional reaction and then our action, actions out of those emotions. Because emotions are what move us to action. They're what give us motion, so to speak. Um, and so if, we're, if we don't have the proper emotion, we haven't formed that, we will likely not be acting in the right way. We're not moved out of anger at injustice or um, compassion toward those who need help, then we're probably not going to be moved at all to go help them. And so as we talk about forming and what a good character is, we have to think about, well, I mean, what are the sorts of things that we want to be able to do as people? Who would we characterize uh, as a good person? Who would be a really excellent person? Uh, the old word for for this sort of like just being an excellent person is, is virtue. It comes from the Latin for excellence. Or arete, which is the Greek word that means the same thing. It just means excellence. How do we become excellent people? And a lot of a lot of people throughout history, the philosophers who thought about character and thought about how to form this form uh, character, have this idea that it ought to be part of living a flourishing life. 
worthwhile life. Yeah, eudaimonia, right? Uh, yeah, the Greek word for that is eudaimonia. Uh, there you go, you said the right way. And it literally, the words literally mean good-spirited. It means, usually translated as happiness, but it means something much fuller. Actually, in some ways, it's very closely related to the Hebrew word and concept of shalom. It's usually translated as peace. Yeah. But it means something much deeper than that, as being in, in this sort of right relationship with everything around you. And in order to be in right relationship with everything around you, you have to have formed and become the right kind of person. There's a, a saying, you know, like, war is not the answer, assuming that peace is the answer. And in order to really bring about peace, you have to be the kind of person that can be peaceful. And this is this is sort of thing, like, hey, if you cannot bring that into relationships, if you cannot bring this sort of excellence into your interactions with people, you're not going to be excellent. <laughs> and I, it sounds sort of silly, but the point is, is if you're not, if you're not good, if you're not excellent, then you're something else. Yeah. And then that's really what we ought to think about. And so I suppose the easiest way to think about this is something like, is it better to be wise or foolish? Is it better to be courageous or coward? Is it better to be just than unjust? Is it better to be unselfish or selfish, humble than arrogance? Is it better to be temperate or gluttonous. And, like, I think all of us have these instinctive understandings of, oh, yeah, it's it's much better to be the first one of those pairs that that was mentioned, you know, wise and courageous and just. This is not controversial. Like, if you you pose it to people that way, like, they clearly recognize this is, this is better. This is more excellent. This would be living a life that would be more fulfilling. You know, nobody wants to walk around saying, you know, I'm a selfish, arrogant coward. Right. That's just not, not who they want to be. Now, to protect ourselves, thankfully, we can, you know, we lie to ourselves a lot about who we really are. All of us really think that we're, well, we're pretty good people, you know, or, well, at least we're better than so-and-so mm-hmm. or something like this. And so, uh, in order to, like, sort of get us out of the sort of rut of thinking those sorts of things, like, hey, you know what, I'm not perfect, but at least I'm better than so-and-so. I think it's really important to identify moral exemplars, uh, people that we look at and say, like, wow, that person is a really good person. They might not be perfect, but they're a really good person, and they're much better than me. It's important to have those people in mind so that you can correct this idea that, like, you're okay. You might be okay, but if you want to be excellent, if you want to be really virtuous and form a character that impacts everybody in a positive, uplifting way, then well, you, you need to be looking at somebody who you see is just so much better than you, not in a way of being discouraged, but as in someone to strive for, someone to envision yourself becoming. So, uh, you know, we all, all of us, I think, uh, have known or can recognize really good people. Uh, and usually in their defining market, they're, they're permeated by love. And, and I don't necessarily mean like, you know, they're, they're gushing at everybody. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not really talking about love as a feeling. More love is like the old sort of way of talking about love as, as a virtue. And if it's a virtue, then that means it's a character trait, which means it's an act of will in an important way, where it's a, it's a, it's a disposition to act. And so I mean by love, a disposition to act for the good of others. And 
you have people who are always acting for the good of others. They don't necessarily like they don't they don't not take care of themselves. They just are always concerned about doing good for others, you know, in their actions. And I think if we think carefully we can we can identify those people. So anyway, I think that's ultimately like how we identify what a good person is or somebody who has a good character. But then it would go deeper than that in the sense that that person that has this good character would also have not just do the right things, but their internal workings would move them to do the right things, which means they have good feeling and good and appropriate desires. Again, it sounds sort of weird as, as to be able to like, choose your feelings or to be able to form habits of good feeling. And it's, it is a little bit weird, uh, but it's, it's absolutely something we can do. I mean, if you just think about, uh, we, we recognize when people have inappropriate feelings. And we, we get a little bit uncomfortable about that. For instance, say somebody gets, you're watching a football game or a hockey game or something, and somebody gets hurt really bad. And, you know, a lot of us will just cringe and be like, oh, man, that is just, that's, that's really an unfortunate thing for them. I hope this guy's okay. And you'll have other people that will, that will laugh at that. And we, we think that's inappropriate. That's an inappropriate way to feel, toward, feel about that event is that it's humorous. Or somehow something to mock. Similarly, you take examples of like funerals. There's appropriate solemnity or appropriate way to feel at a funeral. And while you might be joyful, it's not necessarily a time for inappropriate humor and those sorts of things, which people do make inappropriate jokes at funerals because they're trying to work through their own or emotions of things, and yet we still recognize that as inappropriate, even if we understand where it's coming from. And so we do think that there are, there's moral value to the way that people feel and the things that they desire, uh, too. For instance, it is inappropriate to desire certain things. You know, like, uh, you just think about it, it's inappropriate to not desire good things for your children. It's inappropriate to uh, perhaps have, like, certain sort of, like, desires for drugs or alcohol. I used to smoke a long time ago, and I desired to go have a cigarette at inappropriate times, like in the middle of meetings or something like this, and I would be angry at everybody in the meeting because I could go gratify this desire that I had uh, for, for nicotine. You know, that's, that's an inappropriate way to feel, um, and it's because I had an inappropriate desire. And so part of developing character and part of what people with good character have is they have this a disposition or a preparedness to act in certain ways. And so they're just they're just ready. They're ready to do good. So their initial reaction is one of helpfulness and goodness and and not one of disdain or dismissal or sarcasm. I don't know, did that did that sort of package that up? Yeah, no, I think I think it does. I think it, one thing that I wanted to to go back to, and this may get into. I was going to ask you, okay, why does this why does this really matter? But I may jump the gun a little bit on that because I think it was an important point that you made about when you were talking about this idea of excellence and flourishing and everyone being able to recognize those things which lead to excellence and being able to identify the things that that we want to you know emulate or embody in our own lives and then habituate and then looking at other people 
who are exemplary in those specific traits. You, you brought up several times the idea of the fact what that looks like, at least from that, that Greek word, that the idea of being in proper relationship with everything around us. Uh, and I think the connection that we can start to make already and why does this matter is, though this is a podcast that focuses specifically on character, the ultimate goal is to connect the idea of why, you know, why does this matter for us as leaders? And I think the starting point is right there what you said about if the idea of excellence is being in proper relationship with everything around us, you know, leadership is about relationships. It's about people and, you know, the idea of gaining influence to move towards some sort of common vision, common dream, common goal, and getting people to go there uh, with you and, and accomplish things that maybe they even thought they couldn't do. Part of that is connected to you wanting to see them flourish uh, in their own lives and seek their highest good or excellence. And part of that directly, I think, is impacted by this idea of, okay, if proper relationships with everything is what we mean by excellence uh, in how we live our lives, well, that's directly connected to the character piece 100%. And that's kind of a foundational component of the leadership piece. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I think uh, there's this, a good Navy metaphor uh, for how this works, and that is, I'm going to steal this from C.S. Lewis, but he, he talks about this fleet of ships, and it's, it's, it needs to have three things in order to like do what it's supposed to do. It needs, uh, they need to not run into each other, right? And this is part of like what we usually consider as the sum of morality, we just need to not run into each other. But uh, if your internal stuff is not working right, so your steering gears goes out or or your your engines uh, stop, like you can't help but run into other ships. Right. And so this is the sort of character piece, right? If your character isn't isn't dialed in, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to avoid running into other people. And then if the whole fleet doesn't have the right destination in mind, doesn't know where they're going, then they're going to be crossing paths in ways that are going to bring them into conflict. And so part of this is figuring out, okay, look, what does a really good person look like? We need to go there and that way. And then we need to do what we can to get our internal stuff working right. And then we will naturally avoid running into one another. Uh, no, I think, I, yeah, that's great. And I, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I did not set Mike up in any ways with what I'm about to say, but the idea of the moral exemplar, I had no idea he was going to gonna bring that up. Uh, part of the kind of one shameless plug self-promotion for why I'm even doing this that I didn't get to mention on the introduction episode. I mean, this is all part of me transitioning out of the Navy and trying to pursue things that, that I'm passionate about pursuing, continuing to focus on the leadership character development stuff and, and helping and serving others in any way I can. So one thing I've been doing is I'm about halfway through the process of writing my first book, which hopefully will be out by the end of the year and, and good to go. And you can bet Mike will be one of the first people that gets a chance to read it. I haven't let him read it yet because I really value his opinion. I don't want him to tell me it sucks while I'm halfway through writing it because that would crush me. Um, I want to get the book done. But the whole premise of, of this book that I'm writing is kind of a leadership fable. It's a narrative. I'm following this young businessman as he's going on a leadership journey, discovering who he is as a leader, kind of in his first real opportunity to lead a team uh, across a diver diverse uh, departments within his company. And this is a man who's been in leadership positions before, but really never put any thought to what it means to lead. And so he meets this old wise man. And he's, this old wise man is taking him on a bunch of journeys the book is going to be called The Coin. And he's taking him on these journeys back in time, 
some very very close to the present experiences and some very historical uh, experiences to experience different events, speeches, things. And really the whole point of that is is to identify in people who were exemplary in very specific areas of virtues, of characteristics, of things that we should want to emulate and embody and show and show that uh, to the young man so that he can see uh, what it, what excellence looks like in that specific area. That's not to say any of these people are perfect. And we could identify probably weak areas, um, but in general, they're good people and, and it is kind of connected to that idea of love. So ultimately, spoiler, that like he's going to find out that this all comes back to to character, even though in the moment he thinks this is related to things that he needs to learn how to do in order to lead. You know, whether that is uh, communication or identifying purpose and, and vision and discipline, work ethic, how to fail, how to take ownership. There's a whole number of things, but they all are going to point back to character. So I really think that's, I appreciate you pointing out the need for us to do that. That's what I'm trying to do through that. And all it really is, is me after kind of really thinking about these things for several years intentionally, I having identified those myself and other people that I look up to that I want to share their stories with. And I didn't want it to be a, a book about me or anything that I've done because I want to continue to point to those who, who are really exemplary uh, in these areas. So thank you for allowing me to put my shameless plug in there. Yeah, no, I look forward to, to, uh, to reading the book and I'm sure it'll be great. <laughs> Thanks. We'll see. But we're, we're, we're moving along with that, and I've enjoyed writing it, and so maybe it becomes something, maybe it doesn't. Who knows? So yeah, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but maybe for the next kind of 10 minutes as we wrap up, we, we've identified what do we really mean by character and gotten some really good examples and analogies. I appreciate you and thank you for using analogies so when you're explaining this stuff, people can maybe have something to connect to and trying to understand this stuff and really pinpoint what we mean by by character and how to identify the things that, that we should be striving for, what is good, what is excellent, and how do we look at people who embody those things so that we can try and focus our attention on where we can still take ourselves in that area and not get sucked into the idea of I'm a pretty good person. I've really got this this area nailed down because that's, you know, as soon as we do that, we're setting ourselves up for, you know, failure in that area and in other areas as like some of these character things, I think, and you can correct me if, if I'm wrong on this, they, they obviously overlap. We're talking about love being kind of central to all of them. You know, that spreads out to all these different character traits and, and they kind of feed off of each other in a way. So, some of them, some of them are maybe more distinct than others and, and not as impacted by each other, but I think they definitely play into to each other. So the more you're developing all of these virtues, the more consistent your actions are going to be across the board. But really, after doing that, I'd really like to kind of finish with a real quick, if you could, and maybe like I said, I already kind of stole this a little bit with connecting the relationships thing, but just maybe like a two or three minute rundown from you on, okay, well, why why does this really matter? We've kind of hit on that a little bit, beating around the bush about that one. And then really closing with Okay, once we identify what some of these virtues are that we would like to have in our lives, our lives that we would like to habituate, what are some of the steps, not not necessarily specific steps for I don't unless you want to use a, a specific virtue and break down for that virtue to give us an example. I'm not looking for necessarily specific steps of okay, I want to be a person of humility, I need to do X, Y, and Z to build humility within myself, but maybe more of a just a, a general as you're identifying these these virtues that you want to emulate in your life and you want to become a part of who you are, what is the process uh, for building those those character traits? Yeah, okay. So uh, 
that's a lot, and I will try to do my very best to get through that in 10 minutes. But I think so first, uh, the first point is that uh, you talked about how a lot of these things overlap. And that's, that's what Aristotle thought. That's what most of the, these folks who have fought hard about character uh, over the last couple of millennia have thought that, hey, look, it's hard to fight injustice without courage, right? Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to know exactly like how how many drinks to have at a particular occasion if, if you don't have some some prudence or wisdom. You know, it's hard it's hard to know like when to say something or when to say nothing if you are not looking out for the best for person you're interacting with or love. You know, sometimes the most loving thing is to not say anything. And so they, they really do overlap and permeate one another as you would think they ought to. I mean, after all, we are one person, not 20-some virtues yep. um, that each have their own little uh, pieces of, of us. We're, we're an integrated whole, right? This is where we get the, the word integrity. Yep. And if it's, if it's going toward the right thing, you know, then we'll be somewhat of good integrity. And all of those pieces of us will be integrated in a proper way of leading us down uh, the way that we want to go. So I think that's the first answer to why this really matters. It matters to yourself, right? It matters to yourself. This might be the most important thing that you can do in your life. In fact, it might be um, at root the thing that you're most responsible for is to become the best kind of person that you can become uh, given your your background and in your life situation. And so it's it's really important to, to figure out, hey, this is not who I want to be. I want to be like this. And it's going to matter to others. It's going to matter to everybody around you, and especially those you lead, right? I mean, the kind of person I am or the kind of person that Justin has matters very deeply to our wives and very deeply to our, our children. They learn to depend on us in certain ways because of who we are as people. And I can't speak for him, but I know that I, I fail in that sometimes. And that's it's helpful to me to know, like, oh, wow, I, I missed the mark there. Time, time to reconsider, like, that's, I know that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be the person who misses the mark here. This is too important for me. Yep. So I need to I need to become somebody that's not going to miss the mark there. You know, we've had this experience, well, I, again, I can't speak for Justin, though I, I'm sure you've got some good stories that he'll let you in on later. But, I, you know, I failed in this as a leader, too. Like, you, you know, you... You get to the end of the day and you're like, man, it might be something like I, I should have completely done something different there or it might be something smaller than, you know, I didn't need to say that to that person. I need to fix that tomorrow. And so, you know, your character engenders trust, engenders consistency. It helps others close to you, anticipate you. It helps them know what you need before you need it. This is important for, like, good followers to have. If you're not consistent, they can't anticipate you. That's bad. You're not teaching them, like, ways in which, uh, you're not developing them into people that can respond well to their leaders. Yeah. And they don't know what to expect. They're not gonna, yeah. they're not gonna know how to react. They don't know what, to, who they're gonna get today. So how can they and prepare themselves to follow? And if you think about it, like, think about growing up in school. You know, the scariest teachers were not the mean teachers. The scariest teachers were the ones that you didn't know whether they were gonna be mean or nice. Yeah. So, because you can anticipate the mean teacher, but the other ones, they're the ones that you have trouble balancing. And this, this also gives you the freedom, uh, character gives you the freedom to not have to manage other people. You don't have to manage their emotions. You don't have to manage their stuff because 
you're going to be consistent with them. You're going to shoot straight with them. You can assure them of your word and of, of how you act. Uh, you can be like, look, that's fine. Give me a little bit of, of space. I'll prove my trust to you. And so because of that, this character is catch in the sense it's magnetic. And so like, you know, in groups, in groups that have leaders like that, they will, they will breed followers like that. And it will, it will catch whole groups of people. And you see this in the Navy, like you have certain ships, certain squadrons that are always like the best ships and the best squadrons. And it, it probably, because it started out where you had some really good leadership there for a while and it just keeps catching the next generation of folks who come in. Yeah. Are you starting to get Um, into, you know, the, the role that character plays in developing culture would, you know, be a bigger organizational breakdown of, of the importance of character and, and, individual leadership and then ultimately collective leadership, followership, and then a culture that's established, program that's established that can sustain itself, can have sustained excellence because of it can trace its route back to focusing on what is actually excellent. Yeah, I think it's a good that's, point. That's exactly right. So so it's really important. So I guess then in our last few minutes, like how how do you actually do this? And you know, I could probably speak for days on this. So let me jump in before and get a, a quick two minutes here on one point that you made, and then I'll give you the last, you know, quick summary on, on that. A, a thing that I thought that stood out that you were saying there that I want to bring up is the, you were talking about being able to identify when you fell, you know, fall short, whether it's as a leader of sailors or as a husband. And I think that I don't want to gloss over like a, 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 an important nugget in that of it takes consistent conscious effort of focusing on first determining who do I want to be and then putting effort towards identifying what that looks like and then realizing you know the awareness to realize when you don't hit the mark when you miss the mark because you're a person who is focused on that because you're a person who wants to be the best version of yourself that that Mike Good can be you know that came across very very uh, humble and just kind of saying oh I missed the mark and I realized that and I want to change and be a different person but I think for some people out there who maybe are really first time thinking about this I think it's important to realize it's because a part of who you are is a person of reflection and critical thinking in your own life and and you spend time daily whether that's in prayer or meditation, whatever it may be, you spend time thinking about what are the the things that are excellent and what do those things look like in my life so that when I fall short, I can be aware that I fell short. Doesn't mean I'm not going to fall short again and again and again until I'm, you know, slowly correcting these things and habituating who I want to be. But I'm at least able by doing that, by putting in the effort to identify what those things are. And I think that's an important thing to to kind of bring out of what you said. So thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And actually that's, that sort of thing there is sort of the model for how you, you form any sort of habit. I mean, it's not rocket science. We form habits all the time. Like coaches and all these folks have like broken down, figured out how to like help their, their players or their, or their athletes form skills to do certain things. We do the same thing in school. It's why you have to do so many math problems, right? Because you just don't understand it unless you do it. And it's, it's the same sort of thing. You have to interact with, with these things and, and, think about them and so yeah I think the the main thing that you must have is you have to have a vision or a picture um, of what you want to be yeah and it shouldn't be like this sort of like fuzzy sort of thing it should be a very specific thing which is why I think it's important to find uh, moral exemplars and be like that I want to be able to do that with people I want to be able to respond to them and 
relationship with them, you should be asking them, how do you do that? Yeah. Um, how do you respond? Like, what, what did you do to learn how to do that? And it might, it might surprise you that some of the things that have, that have happened there. But for instance, when you break any habit, you, you have to see, like, why it's good to not do it. Well, when you're forming any habit, you have to see why it's good to do it. Because if you don't really see how it's going to bring good things to your life, this is why the question, like, why character matters. Yeah. Is it an important piece to like get straight? Like if you don't see the benefit that it's going to bring to your life, you'll never form. You'll you'll never you'll never be able to really intend to do it. Yeah. Uh, so the first piece is you need a very robust vision or picture of what this looks like, and it needs to be before your mind, often, daily, well, maybe even more than that. You can do things to like you know, little reminders that you leave yourself, like just get that stuff before your mind often. And it's not to feel guilty about it. It's to look forward to like, this is who I want to be. Am I, and then you ask yourself some questions. Am I doing the things? Am I, were my actions today the kind of things that will help me become that person? Or were they not? And if they weren't, then what were you doing them for? You know, if, you know, if you're, wander around all day like being anxious about like getting your stuff done that's probably not helping you become like the kind of person who lives sort of peacefully because you're you're just going to be worried and anxious all the time about stuff that you can't control and you're and probably so, you're probably anxious in those moments it's it i think you can point a lot of these things back to to the love piece to the selfish versus selfless are you focused on others are you focused on yourself the more anxious you get, the more you just want those things to go away. It's not even as much about what you're having to do. It's, I just want to remove the anxiety of feeling like I need to do these things. So I'm doing that for myself and I can't focus any of my attention on anybody else because, because of that, if that makes sense. I think that, yeah. Yeah. And this is like, that's the, that's where road rage is, right? Right. It's because yeah. like these people are inhibiting me from getting to where I want to go. The same thing happens. Like I joke to the midshipmen at the academy all the time that they get stripling rage, yeah. which is the, the main path that they walk on in between classes, and they just get frustrated with people who are walking slow in front of them, because how dare they inhibit me when I have all these things on my mind, and it just sort of reveals this, the, the selfishness that you're talking about, um, or, you know, at least self-centeredness, where you're not considering that, well, maybe other people have an agenda, too. Maybe they have important things that they need to get done too. So having this vision in front of you is very important. And then really intending. If you don't really desire to be a good person, you'll never actually do the things that you need to do to become that. And if you don't have that desire now, it's okay to just want to want that. Sometimes that's where these things start. I want to want to be a good person. I want to want to do these things to do that. You know, if that's where you need to start, start there and keep reminding yourself of the good thing, like why it's so important and what and the sort of goodness that it'll bring to your life to become this way. Okay, so lastly, I think like just like again, now bring this back to the sports analogy. You have to practice. You have to do drills. You do this in the academic world too, right? You do math problems, like I brought up earlier, and you do that to form a habit of thinking of that earlier, that's really important. 
it's important to reflect on where you're at, where you're going, and actually intentionally scheduling time. And if you don't schedule it, you won't do it. So you actually have to schedule it. You have to break open your calendar and be like, I'm going to do this at this time. And then you have to stick to it. And if for some reason you're not able to do it then, well, then maybe that's not the right time to have it scheduled. Maybe you're going to need to rearrange your day in order to get the things in that you need to have in. Okay? There's lots of these things um, that have historically been used by wise people in all kinds of um, cultures and in all kinds of religious traditions, uh, like fasting, like study, like fellowship. And I don't mean like hanging out with friends. I mean like hanging out with people who all want and intend to, to become good people and so you can meet and discuss and encourage one another toward that end. And there, there's others, but those are, those are some of the main ones that you really ought to start with. And I don't necessarily mean fasting from food, so that might be helpful to play with desires that you have that you shouldn't. But you can fast from other things, too. Uh, one of the things that we do uh, with this experimental class that I'm in right now is we ask the students uh, to fast from the social media application that they use the most. And we ask them to do that for five days. And all of them sort of roll their eyes and be like, this is dumb. And then five days later, they're like, I had no idea how much I used my phone. Yep. Like, I... I had to delete the thing off my phone because I was just like in the app or even had to think about it. Yep. Well, yeah, that's a habit. That's, that's how habits work. And so these sort of these sorts of things like fasting from that sort of thing or from reflecting, what they do is they break you out of your normal way of thinking about things and they give you enough mental space to actually choose to do or not do that habit. And the awesome thing about reflection is it does this specifically with a lot of your, like, pervading emotional things. We usually call those moods, um, sort of emotional habits or emotional dispositions. We call them attitudes or moods. And, you know, if you're typically in a grumpy mood or an anxious mood or something like this, you've probably already gone a long way down forming a habit of being anxious or grumpy. And so these sort of reflection exercises give you the space to be like, what am I actually anxious about? And is that something that I can actually affect? And if the answer is no, then what are you doing? Why are you thinking about all the stuff that you can't do until tonight? Make a list. Get it off your chest, out of your mind, so that it's written down someplace you know you're not going to forget. And then go do the things that you're there to do. So quick recap of this is you need to order your life in a way that allows you to schedule in times to do things that will help you form the habits that you want to form in order to become the kind of person that you envision or picture yourself as being. So you need to fill your mind with thoughts about who you want to be and how you're going to get there and not about what you're not and how you're not going to get there. That's kind of it in a nutshell. I think that's, no, that was, that was great. I really liked the, the mental space that phrase, you know, think of it with any habit, if you want to break a habit or if you want to form a different habit or recognize per perhaps a habit that you don't even know you're habituating, you use the social media uh, example for that with what you do for fasting with your class. I think that's a great way to put it of, of you have to create enough mental space to give you and, they, and that could vary based on how strongly you have habituated something. Would you agree with that? The, the amount of mental yeah. space that you need to be able to choose to act or feel or whatever a, a different way based on how 
strongly you have habituated the thing that you're trying to change and your goal you know is kind of to in some ways decrease that mental space not that you don't need prolonged reflection but to to be able or to at least be able to decrease the mental space that you need to be able to choose to act in the way that you want to even if you know if you set aside 20 minutes of reflection that's that's enough to get you to act one time then over time you know this seems daunting right now but over time you shrink that down. Now you have 20 minutes and you can focus on a couple of things and, and, and choose to do the right, the right action in those things. So I think that's, I think that's a really great way of looking at that. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't take too much time actually, uh, really only like two or three weeks of consistently doing something before it sort of falls into a habit. I mean, just think about getting into a, a new car uh, that you haven't driven before. It's not automatic like it is in your car that you normally drive. But it only takes you doing it a couple times and you're back to where you were. Yep. Uh, that's the mental space I'm talking about. You just need to shake it up a notch so that you have to think about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you the ability to actually choose rather than just be brought along by your habits. That's great. So thank you. Uh, we've, we're hitting like almost exactly an hour right now, so we did good. Thank you for joining me today, for being my first guest. It means a lot to me. Uh, and obviously, you know, I, I think that you are a, a wise person who can speak to this in a all-encompassing way. So hopefully you take that uh, as a compliment from me to you. I'm going to start breaking down specific virtues and traits, you know, in follow-on episodes of this podcast. But I really, you know, am appreciative of you giving us the all-encompassing view of what we mean about all this stuff uh, in general. Uh, so thank you for that. All right, so that's going to be pretty much the end of this episode of the Character Cast, our second episode, first real episode, if you will. If you stuck with us for this long, thank you for listening. I hope you did because a lot of the good nuggets come at the end when we're actually talking about application. So hopefully, you know, you, you made it to that point. Mike already drove me towards the next episode. So uh, next week or two weeks, whenever I can get the next one out, the next episode is going to focus on integrity, which Mike brought up this idea of we don't live our lives, just 20 separate virtues, but we live one life and we should strive to make that life complete and whole. And, you know, from where we get the root of the word integrity. So we're going to discuss what do we actually mean by integrity and what is that connection from character to integrity? uh, Because really that's going to continue to set up you know, what I hope is a long running podcast series on a lot of these different virtues and traits and why those specific ones are important along that spectrum that, that Mike kind of started introducing with the, kind of the, the Aristotle mean of, of these virtues and trying to strive to find that mean in specific traits. But I think we need to first kind of grasp what we mean by integrity uh, before we dive into what are all the things we're trying to incorporate to make us whole. So thank you for Uh, listening to this episode and thanks again Mike for for joining us absolutely